This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, May 11th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, let's have a little fun on today's show. We've covered Ohio State for a long time. You longer than me. What is your favorite moment of covering Ohio State football? Oh, Dave, that is so difficult. Uh, We were sitting here watching an old game yesterday on Big Ten Network, Ohio State Day, which I think they did an outstanding job uh, presenting some of the better moments, you know, in recent history and and going back a ways. And uh, I think probably number one is Ohio State versus Miami in the 2003 Fiesta Bowl, double overtime game, and uh, Ohio State won the national championship for the first time in 34 years. And I just think that that, uh, you know, beating a team that had won, I think, 34 straight games as well with Miami and uh, Larry Coker, kind of a uh, uh, juggernaut. I mean, and you think about the number of NFL players that were on both sides, even down to the freshmen like A.J. Hawk and Bobby Carpenter and, you know, everybody on the Miami side as well. Uh you know, just uh, guys that played in that game who are no longer with us even. I mean, it, uh, it, it is uh, pretty crazy, uh, just the star power of that game. And I was down on the field, and they replayed this game recently. And I want to say it was an option play of some sort, and uh, Krenzel gave the ball off to Maurice Claret, and there were six guys from Miami who chased him out of bounds at, like, the three-yard line. And they just – crushed him I mean it was the hitting on the field was something that that, uh like you'd never seen and uh you know a lot of the hits wouldn't pass the muster of today's game there were a lot of helmet to helmet hits in that game that uh just kind of got overlooked I guess it wasn't as big of an impetus at that time so it kind of tells you how football has changed in the intervening 15 years, but uh, that was uh, probably number one. I think Alabama is certainly up there. Uh, the Sugar Bowl for Ohio State, after all the talk and all the bluster from Alabama and how great they are and how great they were and everything, and Ohio State, again, the common theme in those two games was Ohio State was the underdog, and they punched the bully right in the mouth. They were more physical than the opponent, and that's what it takes to win a big-time game like that. I think going to the Final Four in 1999 after the team, I want to say it was like a 
20 game turnaround or something crazy. I think the team the year before under Jim O'Brien, his first year had only won eight or nine games. And then to come back and go 27 and nine and go to the final four with Scooney Penn and Michael red, I'd put that uh, somewhere at or near the top of the list as well. And uh, waiting to cover a, a national champion in that sport. And uh, you know, who knows if they're able to bring in some big time recruits in the years that come like a Malachi Branham or a, Chris Livingston or whoever else, uh, maybe uh, maybe they can get back to the Final Four one of these days and contend uh, for a national championship. So those are probably uh, three of them right there. But I put Miami on a pedestal, and uh, to me that was, uh, you know, after all the stops and starts of the John Cooper era where you're ranked in the top five most of the decade. I mean, really, when you stop and think about it, 93 – 95, 96, 97 for a period they were in the top five and 98, uh, half the decade they were a top five team and yet, uh, uh, you know, unable to, to get over the goal line and they finally did. Yeah, you touched on my favorite moment. It was Alabama and it's tough because if you beat Russia but you lose to Finland, it wouldn't matter, right? They still needed to beat <laughs> Finland. Um, sorry, sorry, Oregon. So it's like it's tough to, to pick the semifinal. That was an anticlimax. They sent uh, poor Mark May home because they had no talking points for him. <laughs> he was in Fort Worth for like a day, and they realized, oh, Mark, this isn't going to work. This this There's is not nothing, this is not going to go well. Yeah, Nothing is, you can say about how Oregon's going to mess up Ohio State because it's not possible. <laughs> no, this is uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not going to fly, Mark May. You're going to have to go home. Uh, well, you don't have to go home, but you got to get up out of here. You don't yeah, have to that, go on television. My favorite moment is definitely the uh, Alabama game, just because, as you mentioned, they had technical Ohio State had technically never even beaten an SEC team in a bowl game. Although I covered their game against Arkansas, as you did in the 2010 season. To me, that counts when they beat Arkansas, Trestle's last game. We didn't know it at the time. It was, it was going to be his last game, but it was his last game as Ohio State's football coach. But, yeah, everything you said about Alabama, just getting that monkey off your back, and there couldn't be a better team in the SEC to do it against. It's not like you, not like you beat – we're, we're going to get to Tennessee in a moment. Tennessee might be back. It's not like you beat Tennessee that year. You beat Alabama. It's not like you beat Arkansas. You beat Alabama. And here's what was so cool about it. It was the first ever college football playoff. You know, it's just what a great way to do it, that three-game run they did. And then my favorite moment from the game itself, of course, is the Ezekiel Elliott 85-yard run to put them up 42-28. Really put the game away, even though Alabama did make a, a run there. Urban tried to throw that bomb uh, really for no reason. Um, <laughs> Alabama got the ball back, but really they didn't have much of a chance. But uh, once, the, once Ohio State got up by two scores with only about, what, what four minutes left or something like that, it just felt like the yeah. game was over. So, yeah, that was, that was my favorite moment was um, – the 2014 college football playoff game against Alabama, you know, the sugar. Yeah, I, was, I was coming down on the elevator to go do interviews about that time. And uh, I get off the elevator and they had a television right there in the elevator lobby at the Superdome. And all I see on the screen are people in red cheering. And I'm like, Oh dear, what, what did Alabama just do? And I look up because, because <laughs> I knew Ohio state was mired deep in its own end. So I'm thinking, well, geez, what's more likely to have happened that Ohio State turned it over and Alabama scored? And uh, lo and behold, I look up and they're replaying. I figured it was a safe time to go down because Ohio State was deep in its own end. I figured they'd run three plays and punt the ball. But no, they blocked it perfectly, had the perfect call for the situation. And uh, Evan Spencer crashed in from outside and took out a linebacker and at least one other guy. 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, he hit the hole and was gone. What I love about that play is, you know, they were doing those SEC-styled game cast and probably an Ohio State uh, Big Ten-styled one. And Greg McElroy on the uh, on the SEC Alabama one, he got to about midfield and, and he just gave it a he, – he's gone. And it was kind of like, you know, this is morbid to say, it's kind of like, you know, Walter Cronkite and JFK, you know, he, he's gone, you know, just, uh, uh, just the complete uh, realization that uh, all is, all hope is lost. And uh, I think for Ohio state fans that exercised a lot of demons as well. And regarding Arkansas, the sec purists certainly didn't count that as an Ohio state win over an sec team. I mean, they're, you know, barely been in the league five, six, seven years, whatever, when it happened. And they probably didn't want them anyway. They're good God. It's Arkansas. So, you know, whatever. No question about it. Yeah. Evan Spencer took out two guys on that run, including, as you mentioned, um, one of the linebackers, the linebacker was Trader Priest, you know, from right here in Ohio, from spring, right down the road in Springfield, Ohio. Yeah. Really, really tough for, uh, for that to happen. All right, let's move on. I promised we would talk about Tennessee. Has Tennessee finally woken up? I kept saying they're a sleeping giant, but they need the right coach. They've really been asleep since 1998, and I didn't think Jeremy Pruitt was the right coach. I'm, I'm still not convinced Jeremy Pruitt is the right coach, but, man, they are recruiting their butt off. Ohio State still has the number one ranked class for the 2021 class, but the gap is closing a little bit. Ohio State still has a pretty wide margin. Tennessee is now number two in the country, though. Ohio State has 295 recruiting points. Tennessee has 252, so a 43-point gap, which is still a very large gap, but, man, it was like 80 there for a while. Uh, but has Tennessee woken up? Are, are you buying this? Is our friend Bill King going to be very happy down there in Tennessee? Well, I think the idea, it, it, it's several things. First of all, the SEC is a monster unto itself, and, and I do give them credit uh, where credit is due. Um, you know, they've got six programs that are, are right at or near the, the top of college football. And I, I include LSU. I think, you know, yeah, it was a one-year wonder type thing, and you know, we're going to find out, you know, what Coach O does with his own guys and without Joe Burrow. But, uh, you know, Georgia and Florida are legitimate in my mind. Well, Florida, you know, to a degree, they haven't made a playoff yet. But, uh, you know, a lot of people think they're going to be in for a big season this year. Um, these schools have all changed coaches so often. It's hard for me as an old timer to keep track of who's where, but, uh, Pruitt was kind of a, you know, the first couple years was kind of a curious hire at Tennessee. They didn't beat anybody of note, but, uh, he is starting to, to stack some recruits in there. And, you know, you go back to the glory days under uh, Philip Fulmer with Peyton Manning, and then they won the national championship with T Martin in 98 and uh, that was probably the high point of Tennessee football I mean Johnny Majors was big back in the 50s and 60s I guess but uh, you know I I look at it and uh, you know there's no reason why they can't uh, uh, bring in some top talent I don't know that Tennessee is going to be the deepest state year in and year out uh, for them to to recruit to but I think that uh, they can go into Georgia, go into Florida, and get some top guys. So, uh, you know, Tennessee, and they could also come up to the Midwest. They're one of the closer SEC programs to the better high school football played in the Midwest. So they can kind of draw from both areas because it's driving distance uh, really from both areas. You can get there in about a day uh, from, you know, most most parts, you know, 
on the eastern seaboard and uh you know north and south so i uh, i think that the potential is there i just think he's going to have to stack you know more than one class on top of another for them to make some inroads and they have to get back to beating Florida and Georgia on a regular basis, and that's not happening. And their crossover rival every year is Alabama, and that's not happening. So, you know, right now 9-3 and three is the high watermark, I think, for that program, and that's if they hustle. I mean, that's, that's without getting upset in one of the other nine games. So uh, they've got a tough road to hoe, but uh, at least they're making an effort. The last 20 years, as you mentioned, really – since that championship in 98, I don't think they've had much to write home about. And, uh, you know, very few top 10 finishes, certainly. And I can't remember that they won the SEC. Uh, I could be wrong since 98. Maybe they did peek in there and win it one year, but I don't, I don't recall it. So yeah, it, uh, I mean, Florida, didn't Florida go one stretch where they beat them like 10 or 12 years in a row or something. So, you know, and Georgia uh, has been, at or near the top of college football and, and that's who they recruit against and that's who they play against. And so, you know, they got some uphill battles there, but you know, I guess college football is better when Tennessee is good. Kind of that old Colin Cowherd thing that the college football is better when Notre Dame's good and baseball's better when the Yankees are good, that old thing. But uh, you know, these blue blood programs, you know, to a degree, and I consider them, kind of on the edge of that, you know, a top 15, 20 program, maybe uh, when they're going good. Uh, it's good to see that, you know, at least they're making the effort. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, like I said, I thought for a long time that was a program that was underachieving big time. We'll see just because they're putting together a great 2021 recruiting class. Um, that's not going to help them this year. So Jeremy Pruitt's entering his third year. So he still needs to win on the football field. And I do want to point this out. Tennessee has landed, 21 kids already now they landed a couple five stars recently so it's not like it's just um quality and not quantity or qual quantity and not quality but um and ohio state has 18 in their class if you get on, on bucknuts right now and look at the commitments it'll say ohio state only has 17 kids because they haven't added the punter yet because there's not a player page for him yet really nobody knew about the punter they landed until the moment they landed him they got him from australia last week so ohio state has 18 oh, yeah. in their class and tennessee has 21 speaking of recruiting i want to end the show with this Ohio State now has four of their members of their 2021 recruiting class that have been invited to the all the I almost call it the Army All American Bowl. It's not sponsored by Army anymore. Just the All American Bowl. Quarterback Kyle McCord, running back Travion Henderson, cornerback Jacalyn Johnson, and linebacker Reed Carrico. Travion Henderson got the most recent invitation that came down over the weekend. So at least four kids from Ohio State are going to be playing that All American Bowl. That's always a fun event, Steve. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, I've been doing our recruiting series looking at past classes and I go back to that Terrell Pryor class where they had like eight guys in San Antonio and our guy Gary House too was down there and he grouped them together. And uh, that was such a neat picture that you think about what uh, the kinship that those guys had and what they were able to accomplish uh, while eligible, at least the next several years at Ohio State was pretty remarkable. So, you know, I think that that is a good recognition and people are always uh, excited when a guy picks your school uh, for the uh, All-American Bowl or the Under Armour game, the other one that's on ESPN. But I think what's uh, even better is when you have a national top 100 kid and he's committed early 
and then can uh, help with the uh, the recruiting aspect. And I, I think that that's what's even more exciting. So uh, I think that this class is just going to continue to grow. And Ohio State's only had one number one class in the last 30 years. That was in 1996 uh, with, uh, let's see, that was uh, Andy Katz and Moyer. Yeah, a lot of, lot of good players. Gary David Barry, Boston. David Boston. Michael yeah. Wiley. Oh, yeah. Michael Wiley. That was a heck of a class. And, um, you know, they've had some number two classes over the years. So maybe the Ohio State can break through and, and have that number one consensus class this year. Uh, they had uh, – I'm up to 2013, the Ezekiel Elliott and Bosa class. I'm going to write that one probably later today. So that will be out later today. People can enjoy reading about how – that all came about. And what was remarkable, Dave, was it was in the second year of the coach's tenure, which uh, uh, Jim Tressel in his second year, that 2002 class was amazing with Carpenter and Hawk, who we referenced earlier, and, and uh, Heisman Trophy winner Troy Smith and, and a lot of great players. Well, now uh, Meyer in his second year had the 2013 class, which was Bosa and Elliott. And now we're seeing with uh, Ryan Day in his second, you know, full year, you know, basically he was hired to finish off the last class in 2019, a month or two before, and now that he's had a full cycle. So the first full cycle for Trestle was number two. The first full cycle for Meyer was number two. The first full cycle for Ryan Day is going to be uh, top three, probably, if not number one. So uh, it's kind of a perpetual uh, thing that once you get your program in place and you get your priorities in place that uh, these guys have hit the ground running. And certainly Meyer was aided by having Mark Pantone, the same Mark Pantone, who is still the man behind the curtain uh, pulling those strings. So it uh, really helps to have uh, expert uh uh, best-in-class uh, type people running your uh, recruiting. There's no question about that. Steve Hellwagon was also best-in-class. Really appreciate it, Steve. And <laughs> I appreciate all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Again, if you're listening on iTunes and you like the show, leave us a five-star review. It really helps. We appreciate that. Thanks again for listening. And let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.